Wednesday, we got into the book of 1 Peter. And uh, through that, it, it was just a, a very simple Bible study, but just kind of letting the Word of God speak for itself. And, and I felt the presence of God through that, and I know you did too. And I want to continue that, and uh, it's going to be a little not interesting as far as like you're not going to enjoy it, but uh, it reminds me of the time I was going to preach on the book of Leviticus. And, and somebody before service asked me what I was going to preach, and I said, I'm going to preach on the book of Leviticus. And they looked at me, and they were serious, and they said, are you sure? And uh, so, you know, there's certain things in the Bible that you don't hear preached a lot about. And tonight I want to preach about submission and authority. And lest anybody start getting all uh, 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 scared or pointing fingers, uh, you know, I've, I've already seen about three guys point fingers right now. So, you know, l- lest you think it's about that, I want you to see the beauty of that. So many times we, uh, and, and I use we very broadly, I don't necessarily mean you here, but just the world. It, it happened on in the Garden of Eden. It happened that that God had told Adam and Eve all of these great things that they could do and accomplish. And what did the, the, the serpent key on? He keyed on the one no statement that God said. You can eat of every tree in the garden except this one. And that's the one that the serpent hemmed in on. So many times the world and, and, and the enemy has twisted the word of God to be a negative word when it is not. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, I want to read it first, and then we're going to uh, uh, go into it. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn to the book of uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 13. Remember that, that Peter is an epistle. It is a letter that the apostle Peter wrote. He wrote it, as we learned last week, he wrote it to the Jews that were scattered because of the persecution going on in Jerusalem. And uh, so, just like you would never want someone to to take a letter you wrote and just pick out one uh, phrase in that and run with it, we ought not do the same with Peter. We ought to see it from its beginning. And so, last week we ended on that incredible proclamation that Peter gave that we are, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version, we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Uh, He called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's a powerful statement. And I hope you feel that. That you're not just somebody that comes to church because you have to. You're a child of God. And a child of God has some privileges and has some things that are inherently built in to the inheritance that you received when you began to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But watch what it says immediately after that in verse 13. Again, I'm reading from the English Standard Version. It should be in the King James behind me. Be subject to the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, Or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. 
Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For it is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to do this, you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So right away, Peter begins to talk about that we need to be in submission. There's that word. We need to be in submission to uh, the emperor and, and obviously we don't have an emperor anymore, but I want you to think emperor, I want you to think king, I want you to think the, the, ruler, the, the, the ruler of the land for, for you and I. This would be uh, uh, the president, this would be the, the, the structure of, of our government. And then it goes on to say, you know, there's, there's governors that are lower than that. Now you're starting on, for us, we're on a state level or a local level. A little bit later, it talks about servants. I want you to uh, respect and be subject, submission to your masters. If, if you go, we're going to get there in just a little bit. If you turn to chapter 3, now we're talking about wives. Uh, be subject or submission. We're going to talk about husbands. And so I think we would do ourselves a disservice if we just stayed in First Peter to talk about authority and submission. I think it would be better for you and I to look at a far deeper look. And so, as we did last week, I'm going to do my very best to simply let the Word of God speak. And, and so, I want us to read some scriptures. I'll give you a little commentary here and there. But I want you just to kind of see it all put together. I would like you to turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um. In, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, uh, just make sure everybody's on the same page, that is written by the Apostle Paul. We just heard Peter talk about it, now we're going to hear Paul talk about it. And uh, I want you to, to take, pay close attention to the very first verse because this is, is a good way to make sure that, that, that submission can happen. And it is, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. I'm going to come back to that here in a moment. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Now I commend you because you remember me in everything and maintain the traditions even as I delivered them to you. But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Now I think it would be good for us to continue and go through this. Uh, there are some good things here. And we don't get a chance to talk about them often, but uh, I want you to see where the Bible talks about it. So I'm not going to give you a Bible study in what's going on. We're going to read the Word of God. I want you to see where it is. Uh, Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. Now let me just stop for just a moment and tell you there are two heads that are being spoken of here. The first one is the physical head. This part right here, I got hair on it. If I, the Bible says, if I pray or prophesy and my physical head is covered, then I'm dishonoring my head. Not this mug you see in front of you, but I'm dishonoring the head above me. I'm dishonoring, the Bible says, the head of every man is Christ. I'm dishonoring Christ. Uh, 
But every wife who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head, since it is the same as if her head was shaven. For if a wife will not cover her head, then then she should cut her hair short. But since it is disgraceful for a wife to cut off her hair or shave her head, let her cover her head. For a man ought not to cover his head, since he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of man, for man was not made of woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. This is why a wife ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, the Lord, uh, nevertheless in the Lord. Now, let me, let me stop right there. What I've just said drives people in this world crazy. Because instantly in this world of political correctness, all of a sudden someone starts saying, well, that's a pretty chauvinistic view. But I love how the Bible just doesn't leave things hanging. The Bible says this, Nevertheless, in the Lord, a woman is not independent of the man, nor the man of the woman. For as woman was made from man, so now man is born of woman, and all things are for, from God. And this is what I want to say before I go a little bit further. Authority and submission is never intended to be a dictatorship, a one-way street, uh, it's my way or the highway. In fact, in every instance that we're going to talk to you uh, tonight about submission authority, you're going to see that it is it, it takes two in order to make that union. And so here it goes. Uh, and, and so let's just continue just so we can finish this train of thought. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a wife to pray with pray to God with her head uncovered? Does not nature itself teach you that if a man wears long hair, it is a disgrace for him? But if a woman has long hair, it is for her glory, for her hair is given to her for a covering. And if any man or if anyone is inclined to be contentious, we have no such practice, nor do the churches of God. Paul begins to talk about a headship. I remember being out of town, I think it was last year, but it may have been the year before, and uh, I, I got on the, the, the video to watch. My dad was preaching, and all I could see was umbrellas. Does anybody remember that, that sermon on umbrellas? And, and we talk a lot about authority and submission that way. That the head, that my head is Christ. And as long as I stay under that umbrella of his covering, there is a protection. There is a, a I don't have to worry about some things. I am covered. My wife, uh, according to what we read here, my wife, as long as she can stay under the umbrella of, of, of her husband, she is covered. My children, if they stay under the umbrella of the covering of their mother and their father, they are covered taken care of there is a submission now I want to show you how much God views submission and authority if you were to take a journey with me uh, and, and I'm not going to read it for time's sake but if you would go to Numbers chapter 30 starting in verse 2 you would find that in the covenant that God made with Moses there were a couple things that he said number one he said uh, guys if you make a vow to God and I'm just going to say this, you know, if, if you vow, God, I'm going to I'm gonna pray every day. And I, I mean, you vow it, not Lord, help me pray every day. But I mean, you just about say, God, I promise, uh, cross my heart, hope to die, I'm going to pray every day. The Bible says if you make a vow to God and you break it, it's on you. And God doesn't take kindly to a broken vow. 
Okay? This is why later on the Bible teaches us, be careful when you make a vow. Be careful when you make a vow. Uh, this world doesn't hold a lot to what somebody says and the words that a man can say. And, you know, no longer is a word, a man's word is bond. But to God, it seems to indicate that he still takes very carefully when you make a vow. But it says, and, and again, you can read it for yourself, Exodus chapter uh, 30 and verse 2. It, it, it says, if, a, if, a, if my daughter makes a vow to God, she goes somewhere, she's in a, a youth convention, and she makes a vow to God, and she says, God, I'm going to give $8,000 to She's for Christ. The Bible says that if she comes home and she tells me her vow, and I, as her head, decide that the vow that she made is not good for her or, or is an undoable vow, I can say you're not going to do that vow, and I have broken that that curse, if you will. That's how much God honors authority and submission. It goes on to say that if a wife makes the vow, or even if an unmarried lady would make a vow and then later get married, her husband would have the authority to annul that vow. And the, the words, that the, the verses that keep going over and over in my mind is that uh, the, the verse you would understand is obedience is better than sacrifice. But let me change that for just a moment and let me tell you that authority and headship and submission is better than sacrifice. God wants to make sure we are in order. But let's not stop there. First off, 1 Corinthians says that we can be equal but still have submission. That's where it talks about you can be the, the man is not independent or the woman is not independent of the man nor the man of the woman. But let, let's turn to another place. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22 says this, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and his body, and is himself its savior. And now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. But husbands, love your wives as Christ hath loved the church, and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, and for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does for the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and those two should become one flesh. The mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, the Lord uses those two phrases, I think, on purpose. Husbands or, or, or wives, respect your husband. Husband, love your wives. And I think probably because most of us guys don't need to be told, I love you in order to make it through your life. Uh, uh, I, I, would, I don't need my wife to come up and, and say, honey, I love you. I'm, I'm perfectly fine. As I have said and others have said, I heard somebody said, I told my wife I loved her when I married her, and I'll tell her when I change my mind. 
And, uh, you know, so, so I don't need my wife to tell me I love you. But there is things I do need from my wife. Um, one of the things that I began to look when it came to the definition of submission, and if you have Webster's Dictionary, you can probably find a better definition than mine. But this is my simple definition of submission. Are you ready? Not my will, but thine be done. What I want to show you before tonight is over is that submission and authority is not a gender-specific thing. It is not a, a husband and wife only thing. And I'm going to show you how if I can, can, can look at my wife and say, not my will, but thine be done. And if she can have that same back, our marriage will be powerful. Uh, it goes on to say in Ephesians chapter 6, now you have a different one. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live a long, a long time in the land. Now, now here, here's what's interesting. Now, I know most of our children are downstairs. We've got a couple young people here. Uh, really, this needs to be preached on a Sunday morning when everybody's here. But can I just take a moment and talk to parents and grandparents for just a second and say this? It is absolutely imperative that you as parents and grandparents and leaders of your children, it is imperative that you create an atmosphere of discipline so that your children will learn to honor their father and their mother. Honoring their father and their mother, if you begin to look with it, it means to obey your father and your mother. In fact, that's one of the first commandments with promise. It said, if you honor your father and your mother, you'll, your days on the earth will be extended. And so it is that it is important that, that we tell our children and we teach our children. And there is an expectation that when a parent says to their child, you need to do this, there needs to be an expectation that that child is submitted to the parent. Unfortunately, in today's world, that's been thrown out. In today's world, we've lost this submission. Child, children can do whatever they want to do. I saw a, a, a crazy news article. Uh, just uh, It's been the last couple of months. But it is a family who raises their children and they, they do not tell their children what to do. From, from babies on up to teenagers. Is how they, they, they said, we have decided that we are free-range parents and we do not tell them what to do. We don't tell them when to get up. We don't tell them what to eat. We don't tell them what they should eat. They can do anything they want to do as long as they don't kill anybody. As I read the Bible, and I'm, I'm getting off topic, but as I read the Bible, there are two things that, that, that come out to me. And one day I'm going to preach it, but... but especially if you get into Proverbs, you see the rod and the sword. Several times it's mentioned together, the rod and the sword. If a, it, it, The rod is discipline. The rod is getting their attention while you can. The sword is a justice and a finality. What it means is don't spare the rod. Don't spare the discipline. These children need discipline now so that they escape the sword of judgment later. The sword is final. When the sword swings, there's no going back. When the rod falls, it hurts for a while, but it can, it can pull them back to the right path. 
Now let's go to, uh, uh, let's go a little bit further. Remember I said that submission and authority is a two-way street. Yes, my children need to obey their parents. But verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. In every one of these instances, whether it be husband, wife, whether it be parent, child, in just a moment we're going to get to servant and master, uh, in all of those, there may be an authority structure, but it works both ways, and the authority can never take advantage of the one under. Parents, I know it says fathers, but it, it, it can go both ways. Fathers, do not provoke your children with anger. If you keep going in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 5, it says this, Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatsoever good anyone does, he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is bond servant or free. Now, we don't have a lot of servants and slaves going on right now, uh, especially in America. That's not something we do, and so I don't think it's a stretch to, to take this out of the arena of master and servant and put it into the arena of employer and employee. Honor your employer. Why? Paul says you need to honor your employer. Work like a, you know, work good. Make sure you, 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 you're not lazy and slothful. Why? Because you represent Christ. It says, Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. And so again, God doesn't leave it at just, you know, you've got the authoritarian uh, uh, person and you've got the subjects underneath. Yes, there's some authority, there's some submission, but he also makes sure that the one who is in authority walks worthy According to that, let's go to one more before we get back to 1 Peter. Let's look at the book of Colossians. Uh, let's look at Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 18. Again, this is written by Paul. Wives, submit yourself to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for it pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bond servants, or employees, obey in everything to those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of the heart, fearing the Lord. And whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not to men, knowing that the Lord, uh, from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as is your reward, and you are serving the Lord Christ for the wrongdoer, will be paid back for the wrong he has done. There is no partiality. And masters, treat your bond servants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. So I've just spent some time bringing back and showing you some authority, some submission, some things that the Word of God uh, has, has taught us. But now I want to get back to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. And... Uh, I want to just show you where it is. Why does authority and submission matter? You should listen very closely. This is why authority and submission master matter. Number one, you have to be under an authority 
for you to have authority. You know, have you ever looked at someone, and, and we use this phrase, do you practice what you preach? I cannot stand up behind this pulpit and expect you to hear the voice of your pastor if I don't hear a voice of my pastor. Now, I don't, I don't get to sit in a lot of sermons that, that, that I don't preach, but I can tell you that at least, I would say almost every other week, maybe, maybe every three weeks, Brother Graham talks to me. Sometimes he says, Brandon, how's it going? I've learned to listen to the voice of my pastor. You've got to have that authority. If you don't, watch this, if you don't submit to God, let's put it in a, in a strictly spiritual sense, if you don't submit to God, how in the world do you ever expect the devils to submit to you when you, say, when you begin to pray? Why would they want to submit if you've not submitted? That's why authority and submission is so important. God has set up some earthly uh, uh, authority in our lives. God has set up some places where you and I need to be submissive. And, and he does so because first, authority and submission matter. But second, you are showing God to the world through your submission and through your authority. And I want to, to uh, take this and I want to look at this. Uh, right here, and we're, we're going to do it quickly. I've got about, I've got about ten more minutes or so, and I, I think we can uh, get through it or get close to it. But here, the Bible talks about being in submission to uh, uh, to the emperor. This theme of submission, we're to be submitted to uh, the governments uh, uh, as citizens. We're to be submitted in working. We're to be submitted uh, as a marriage partner were to be submitted as a member of the church again let me say it submission is not slavery submission is not living in a dictatorship but instead it's the recognition of God's authority did you know that God set up civil government did you know that the Bible says he does so the government that we we serve under its authority comes from the Lord and just in case you're wondering, when I get a chance to do invocations at O'Fallon City Hall, I'm going to do one tomorrow night, but when I do uh, at O'Fallon City Hall, every once in a while I'll remind them that their authority comes from the Almighty God. And I pray over them and I say, Lord, would you help them do the right thing? But when we, we do this, now I want you to understand that everything you and I ought to do is for the glory of God. And, and we represent God in our lives and so first off I would like to tell you that to be in submission to the emperor the king the president the government does not mean you have to do everything they say you say what do you mean pastor well it's simple go back to the book of, of Daniel you will find that there was a time in which the the king gave a decree to Daniel that that went against the the ordinances and the law of God and Daniel said, King, I can't do that and serve the Lord. But here's what I want you to understand, and I think this is what Peter is trying to get to, because remember, Peter is talking to those that have been filled with the Holy Ghost, and they are experiencing this newfound freedom. 
Peter says that it is okay to, to respect the government but not have to do everything the government says. But if the government says, if the government tomorrow says uh, you can't worship the Lord anymore, I sure hope you disobey that. But here's the key. Authority and submission can also be simply respect. It's amazing when you look at the book of Daniel and his three friends and they, they, they said we're not going to obey your dietary uh, laws. They disobeyed the laws but they still gave honor. Go read how he spoke to the king. Oh king, live forever. I, I can't do this. But I'm not trying to be ignorant. I'm not trying to be contentious. I'm not trying to start a riot. Just let me prove to you. Later on you'll find that Peter and the other apostles after the day of Pentecost the council, the Jewish council told them they couldn't preach in the name of Jesus they refused to obey that because it went against the word of God but you don't find them rebelling see we have to be very careful as Christians that we get we're very careful we don't get caught up in some of the political things in this world God never called on us to rebel against the government God called us, he said I want you to honor but if the authority goes against the word of God, you have to go first because you're not a citizen of this world, you're a citizen of that world, but you don't go try to overthrow the government. God did not destine us to be a, a uh, 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 you know, we're not to jump in the political arena as quickly as some want to jump in. You can respect the office even if you can't respect the man or woman in the office. And we have to be careful that we stay under authority. Just because you live for God and just because you are a citizen of another country doesn't mean you walk through this life and you disobey the laws. Just because you have the Holy Ghost doesn't mean you can speed and then when the police comes and taps on your window, you can say, uh, I'm, a, I'm not a citizen of the United States. It doesn't work. All right? Authority. It's important. And the reason is, is because God says that if we will... Do This is the will of God, verse 15, this is the will of God, that by doing good you put to silence the ignorance of the foolish people. Especially in this day and age that, that Peter was writing in, the, this new Christian religion, if you will, this new church did not need to go be, be seen as a church that was against Rome. Because if it was, Rome would have smashed them but said, if you'll just live right, do what is right, it puts to silence all the critics that says this new church is just trying to stir up trouble. It's amazing how the Bible talks. Then it goes on to uh, the servants. And, and, and that first off, the Bible says, I, I, I wanted to say this, in Proverbs chapter 24, uh, Solomon gave this counsel, My son, fear the Lord, and the king. You can fear God and honor the king at the same time. And when I say king, I mean the, the religion or the, the, the political leaders uh, and, and the political system. We can do that. Then it talks about the servants be subject to your masters in all respect. Don't sin when something bad happens. When, when something happens at your job, see, we don't think in terms of servants and stuff like that, but let me put it this way. If tomorrow you walk to your job and something goes bad, how you handle that situation will determine the witness you have going forward. 
If something happens and you blow up and you start slamming the doors and you start, God forbid, using words you ought not use and threatening to sue the whole place and, and all of that, how are you going to ever go back to them and say, and say, I want to introduce you to the Lord? It's important how we act. And, and so it says, servants, be subject to your master with all respect. Not just to those that are good, but even to those that are not good. And by the way, if you have to suffer... Just know that God sees all. If somebody's treated you wrong, the Bible says vengeance is not yours. Vengeance is his. And if someone has, has treated you badly, if someone has, ha has raked you over the coals, I promise you, God holds the balances. And the Bible says all things will work together for the good of them that serve him and them that love him. And then it goes... And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over this part, but uh, the next little bit is just showing you that Christ himself was in submission. The man, Christ Jesus, was submitted to, to uh, the Father. It's, it's in the Garden of Eden, or Garden of, of Gethsemane. He prayed, I don't want to die. The humanity of Jesus did not want to go get put on the cross. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. But then you get to this in chapter 3 likewise wives be subject to your own husbands even so that if some of them do not obey the word they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct don't let your adorning be external the braiding of hair and the putting on of gold jewelry and the clothing that you wear but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is in God's sight very precious for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. A lot is said there. A lot is said that, that, that especially, again, remember the, the, who he was talking to. He was talking to uh, uh, people who had been filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of them were, were, were ladies who had received this incredible revelation and this salvation. And, and they now were, are seeing this glory of God and their husbands haven't quite uh, got on board. And, and he just reminds them, he says, you don't have to berate them and nag them. You don't have to go crazy. In fact, you don't have to uh, try to you know, be like the rest of the world. And if you study some of the history here, you'll find that you think the clothing styles are extravagant now. You should have gone back to Rome and some of these places during them. It was amazing. They, they, everybody tried to outdo each other. Everybody tried to, to let their beauty be only what was on the outside. But the Lord says that God looks on the heart, and in a sense, so ought we. I want to end it end it here. A uh, couple things that, that I'm gonna say, and I'm gonna give you just kind of some points real quick. But uh, the first thing is is this, and that is that in this submission, there are three things that that submission is. First off, submission is an obligation. The Bible teaches us we're called to have to be submitted to our authorities. But it's not only an obligation, it's also an opportunity. You say, well, what do you mean an opportunity? Well, 
in all of these, it's an opportunity to show Christ. It's an opportunity to show your spouse Christ. It's an opportunity to show your boss Christ. It's an opportunity to live out this call of God on your life. Right. The third thing it is, especially in, in light of this, it's an ornament. Submission and authority becomes one of the most beautiful things in the world when it's done right. But it's interesting that, and, and I, I'm trying to get this across, and I'm, I've tried not to just blow through it just because of the time. But I've, I've tried to explain that submission is not a dictatorship. It's not somebody above, below. That's why we use that that word picture of a uh, of an umbrella. It's a covering. It's a protection. But lest any guys get puffed up and say, yes, yeah, see woman, you need to call me Lord. And you get that male chauvinist uh, streak going. I want you to read verse 7. And I want you to read it in these four ways. First off, the Bible says, husbands, live with your wives. I think, I think the King James says, dwell with them. One writer said that dwell with them, that is the physical. The Bible says these two shall become one flesh. Dwell with them. Uh, it's amazing how many times a husband gets so caught up in his work and caught up in the things of life and children come and they hardly ever spend any time. Somebody said, and I don't know if this, I don't know where this survey uh, uh, got, got, where they got this survey, but one survey, survey I read said that, that the average family, the average husband and wife spends 37 minutes of, of intense conversation a week between themselves. The rest is working and kids and eating and going out and doing this. And the survey goes on to say this is why so many marriages fall apart when the kids leave. Because they never got to know each other. They never got to dwell with each other. And so men, it's not enough just to say I'm the man of the house. The Bible says we've got to learn to dwell with them. The second says dwell with them. Now English Standard says in an understanding way, the King James says according to knowledge. I think that's key. A good employer knows his employees, gets to know them, doesn't treat them like, you know, just a number, doesn't treat them like cattle, but gets to know them. The, the best employers I've ever worked for are those that take a moment and walk through the, the, the floor and, and just talk to people. How are you doing today? And have you ever had an employer like that, that took time to know you? In this it's, 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 the, it's the, the intellectual. Get to know them. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 15 says that we ought to speak the truth in love. Get to know your wife. Then it goes on to say show honor to the woman or giving honor to the wife. It's that emotional part. Giving honor means to respect the feelings, the thinking, the desires, that respect, that 
that balance that is there. Someone said this, and I really like it. I'm not trying to turn this into a, a marriage seminar, but we're just going through 1 Peter. So since he got on to husbands and wives, we need to look at that too. Someone said it this way. The husband is the thermostat of the home. The husband sets the emotional and spiritual temperature. But the wife is the thermometer, letting him know what that temperature is. Some of you grew up in a home where when your dad came home and that door slammed, you knew that that temperature was way up here. And you knew what it was like to have to walk on tiptoes. But the wife is able to say, honey, you're up here and bring it down. It works together. And then the last one, it, it, I've underlined it in my Bible, and it's, it's I, I don't know, for the last about two weeks, this has been just pounding away. And uh, I don't know when we're going to get back to, to 1 Peter, uh, but the same phrase pretty much appears in chapter 4. But it says that your prayers may not be hindered. I thought a lot about that. That your prayers may not be hindered. Going with, with, with what we were uh, talking about, um, it says, uh, you know, you've got your, 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 your physical, you've got your intellectual, your emotional, this would be the spiritual. But I got to thinking about that. Could it be that the way that we respond to authority dictates the effectiveness of our prayers? And if you are the one that is in authority, how you respond to those that are under you dictates the effectiveness of your prayers. That's why authority matters. That's why submission matters. When I am submitted to Him, my prayers become much more effective. When I am allowing my wife and my children to follow me, remember what I'm going, let's go all the way back to what I started with uh, at, the, at, at 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Be an imitator of me as I follow or imitate Christ. The best way that you can be in authority, whatever that is, whoever it is, is for you to follow him. And so if I can, can, can be submitted to God, and I can follow him, then it allows my wife and my children and those who come after me and under me, it allows them to follow me. And my prayers are effective. I want us to stand today. And I want you just to lift your hands for a moment.